0: Bob Fu is from China. He recently talked with a Chinese Christian, Brother Gao, who got out of prison. But instead of trying to escape from China, Gao has a vision to stay there and see God do something amazing. He said, Bob, you you know, after communist collapse,
1: the number one goal, number one thing we should prepare is to start up a church planting movement in every village in China.
0: Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and our guest today is someone who has been our guest previously here on VOM Radio. Bob Fu is the founder and the president of the China Aid Association. He is also the author of a book called God's Double Agent, If you haven't read his book, I strongly encourage you. It is very exciting. It reads like a thriller, which is the kind of book I like to read. But it's his true story of being a student leader in China, coming to follow Jesus Christ, and then being a persecuted Christian inside China. Bob, welcome again to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd, for having me again. Let's talk a little bit. We, we won't go into your story, but I will encourage our listeners. If you come to VOMradio.net, uh, we have had Bob on before, and he's talked a little bit about his testimony and, and how God brought him out of China. So you can go to VOMradio.net and listen to those interviews. But Bob, what's going on in China now? I understand that, that there's really a, a fresh crackdown against Christians in China.
1: Yes, Todd. It is almost a kind of paradigm shift already, especially since the current President Xi Jinping took power in 2012. And basically, the Christian faith, I mean, including even those in the government-sanctioned churches, had become a major target of uh, persecution, discrimination by this uh, communist regime, this new C r- administration, and many even nicknamed him as the Emperor C or Chairman Moore Jr., basically <laughs> to tell that he brings a more kind of uh, persecution against uh, the religious minorities, of course, including the Christians, both house churches and the government sanctioned the churches to the most uh, serious level that not seen since the Cultural Revolution in the wow. 1960s.
0: Were there things in Xi's background that pointed to this? Did, did people like you see this coming when he became the leader of the country? Did they say, uh-oh, Things are going to go badly now for the church, or was this kind of a surprise?
1: Actually, it was a, quite a surprise because even the political observers, you know, had a much more optimistic kind of expectation when she was taking power. Because number one, she's father was uh, uh, widely regarded as a reformer within the Communist Party. And number two, she had uh, some kind of uh, own, his own suffering experience uh, during the Cultural Revolution, when his father was persecuted by Chairman Mao, and she was sent to the countryside, engaging real hard labor. So people would expect and thought, well, you know, if he had some kind of a political kind of suffering experience, he may have sympathy. And uh, has uh, a heart maybe for reforming the Communist Party system. Actually, it really came. It's, uh, with it's been the, the opposite. Oh, it's the opposite, and it actually, it's really now everybody, even those who used to defend or find a good excuse for Xi's first, uh, you know, year or two's crackdown, now acknowledge Xi is really the uh, real, most serious dictator in the Chinese Communist Party leadership since the Chairman Mall,
0: And you've mentioned a couple times that even this is happening within the state-sanctioned church. For our listeners who are new to China, don't know a lot about the church there, what what's the difference between the state-sanctioned church and the house church or the unregistered church? Yeah,
1: I mean, we can basically use the contemporary term, kind of classified them as registered, and non-registered church or official church or, you know, non-official church. Basically, the government-sanctioned church controlled by the Chinese Communist Party's United Front Working Department, Religious Affairs Bureau, and the party apparatus with the purpose to not to encourage the growth of the church, <laughs> but really to control and with the ultimate goal to destroy the church. So the, the Communist Party from 1950s established this organization called the Three Self Patriotic Movement, and which is a political organization with a religious uniform to control, you know, the Protestant churches worshipping in the government sanctioned church buildings. On the other hand, the majority of the Chinese Christians chose to be independent and worship in their own homes. That's why they're called house churches. Most of them know that they're technically declared illegal under the Chinese government legal code and suffer the most for persecution and repression over the years.
0: So it's interesting that now that persecution is coming into the registered church, too, because in theory, if you are attending a registered church at a registered church location at the time that the government approves, you should be free from persecution. You're doing what the government says you can do. Why is now the government coming against even the registered church?
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, it it used to be the scenario is, uh, you know— The government-sanctioned churches are supposed to be legally kind of protected government, uh, kind of uh, embraced patriotic uh, churches. And uh, all of a sudden, from two years ago, it started from party leader Xi's kind of hometown, uh, where he used to be the party chief of Zhejiang province. The government started destroying a province-wide cross demolition campaign. I mean, the government used it too, said the cross is too tall, too big, and it posed the uh, transportation hazard, Right. Uh, sort of a security threat. The,
0: the building codes. You, you yeah. violated the building codes, yeah. so we're going to have to come in and tear down your building. Yeah.
1: And uh, so up until in the past two years, already 2,000 churches Wow. Their church crosses were forcibly demolished, and even those church leaders who resist the kind of what they called the barbaric kind of uh, demolition of church crosses campaign were arrested, and some were sentenced to ten, fourteen years imprisonment, just for wow. uh, you know register the opposition, and so that I, kind and of. I uh,
0: think it's very interesting that, and I I don't think I knew this before. That was she's home area. So this was kind of somewhat of a practice run in his home area. Yes. And now it seems to have expanded to the whole country. Uh,
1: Yes. It's kind of uh, the campaign was so kind of uh, big and uh, met with so much resistance by the congregation. Even the government sanctioned church leaders and said many of them stood up and said, uh, if you continue to do this, we are done with the three self. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so I mean that's a good in a sense. You know, God's sovereignty is a good side product of uh, God's will. Now there are hundreds of government-sanctioned churches declared independence. Left, there is a major exodus from the
0: Three Self Church movement. Wow, yeah. which means they're stepping out from even the appearance of control by the Communist Party. They're saying we're done with you guys. Yeah, it's
1: kind of uh, orchestrated, basically you know, in a humorous way. And uh, when those uh, government church leaders all of a sudden felt the so-called supposed-to-be protector became the destructor, uh-huh. and the the only thing they felt they, they rely on the human system is gone, they said, okay, you know, we have to look upon the name of the Lord alone. So they come out. I mean, many even established their own independent mission board. It was just a... F- phenomenal in that sense
0: yeah. which is it's very interesting to me because what the house churches have said for years is Christ is the head of the church not the Communist Party we we can't come in under the authority of the Communist Party because Christ is our head now it seems that even those who were under that authority are now saying wait a minute if you're not going to look out for us we're we're done we're done and Christ yeah. is our head now
1: yeah that's the fundamental difference between the Three self-government sanctioned church and independent house churches. Basically, you know, who is the Lord of uh, the church? the The only Lord is Christ Jesus.
0: And I understand that another level or another layer of this persecution is now affecting the families of Christians as well. That you know they're being told, if you're going to go to church, if you're going to be involved in the church. There's some consequences to that. What are those consequences?
1: Yes, we have seen, I mean, that's part of the kind of wrapped up persecution. I mean, basically the government used all kind of leverage to persecute these Christians. And uh, we have seen already in several provinces, churches were ordered to either stop the church service or their children would not be allowed to take part the college entrance exam or they will be terminated if they are accepted um, and um, if they don't sign a pledge to discontinue the church service. And some children even were terminated from going to their like military academy. We have instances. And um, they were already accepted. So the,
0: have... the entrance exam would be at the end of high school. You take an yes. exam, and yeah. that's that determines where you can go to university or that's not right. go. yeah. So if the government steps in and says, you can't even take the exam, they're saying no college education for any kids who are involved in this church. Absolutely. I mean, we already, it's even a written form. And not
1: only that, the ramification also implied to their family members, uh, those uh, uh, church members, if they are found attending, the, continue to attending the house church services, they are not allowed to apply for the government aid for low income families. And we have seen, like in my province, that whole area, the church uh, family has been terminated for two years already. Wow. Not allowed to apply. It's a very poor area. Maybe that's the only income is the government aid. So the Christians are absolutely cut off from that just simply because. They are worshiping in a a church.
0: So how are Christians responding to this? Because I think of—I know you have kids in college. I have kids in college, too. If you mess with me, that's one thing. But when you start messing with my children, that really kind of escalates everything. How are the families—how are these parents saying— we are going to continue to serve the Lord, even if it means our children's future is, is sacrificed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very tough situation. I mean, we knew uh, from our interviews with some of the family members, basically, some were under enormous pressure, almost forced to sign the signature, said, OK, we, we can't allow our children to go to the church. Sort of, uh, so that they can take their entrance exam, but most of the church members continue to chose to worship and continue to attend the church service, and some even chose to have their own home school system. Wow, so it was interesting. it will be interesting to see how this develops
0: so the the Christians that are being cut off from the aid is is the Chinese church helping them? Are they working to kind of fill that gap? Or is there, are they unable to do that for different reasons?
1: Obviously, the family members are taking care of each other, you know, because the church in a Chinese church setting are more kind of closer in a family setting. If one family is being implied and affected, you know, in this new wave of campaign, other families did come up to support. It was a Rather interesting that uh, even in one government-sanctioned church, when some of the uh, church members were being like uh, beaten up uh, right on the site for protecting the church cross from being demolished, the church leaders basically opened the whole church building and uh, issued an a, a international kind of announcement, and said. Our church welcome any body of Christ to wow. this station come here to celebrate <laughs>
0: yeah. which basically paints a target on their on their building on on their church oh yeah the church pastor was
1: immediately arrested and um, st- I mean su- suffered imprisonment
0: I know some of the people that are currently in prison are lawyers in fact I even saw a story in the New York Times about it which you know, Praise the Lord, the New York Times is hopefully helping to hold the Chinese government account. What is the situation for these lawyers? I know some of them are Christian, but they're not necessarily in jail because they're Christians. They're in jail because they're lawyers working against the government. But give us a little bit of context for that.
1: They are generally called the human rights defenders or human rights lawyers. Really, the vast majority, 99 percent of them, just try to use the law existing law to defend for the constitutionally you know recorded rights basic rights of the citizens I mean the none of them as far as I know hold of you know slogan of uh, anti-government even <laughs> and but since uh, July 9th last year 2015 is called the 709 kind of cases over 316 lawyers and human rights defenders were interrogated, rounded up, uh, detained, and some were arrested and sentenced. From last week, four of them start receiving sentence. Each day, there's one case of trial. And it was a totally showcase you know, of trial by the same judge, by the same group, government designated 48 ob- observers. And they even set up a, a media center you know, you invite some of the pro-China Hong Kong media uh, to do propaganda, yet they would not allow any single family member, including the wives and children, to attend the trial. And they even used the propaganda and uh, telling the Chinese and the world said, oh, because the defendants requested no family member should be present in my trial. So after usually two or three uh, hours of trial, then they, they were sentenced to seven and a half years. One elder, a uh, house church elder, Hu Shigen from Beijing, received a seven and a half years sentence. Even his baptism video was presented in the court as a crime uh, evidence. Wow! And he is a very you know courageous house church leader and purely persecuted for his faith. And there are some other human rights lawyers who are also Christians. Some receive uh, seven years, some receive three years. This happened last week. After 13 months in jail, no family member, none of the lawyers is even allowed to meet with them. Wow.
0: It seems like China is violating its own laws to come against these people. And you know, if you put that in American context, if someone is accused of a crime here and a lawyer defends them, so they, you know, stand up against the government and say, "No, this this person is innocent." Imagine if that lawyer was then sent to jail for seven and a half years for simply really having the audacity to say the government was wrong and and that That's the right. law was on their side. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a picture, and it does seem that seems to be another sort of another facet of this crackdown. We don't want the church. We don't want a legal system that has any independence or any basis in just law. Where does China go from here? If it seems like it's going in this negative direction, what is the government trying to accomplish?
1: In the past two years, the kind of rule of law situation has also become the worst in 20 years. Basically, the government shows the total disregard of his own laws, own, of course, own constitution, own regulations, and rounded up these lawyers. I think, I mean, basically, it shows the President Xi Jinping's kind of uh, the nature of uh, dictatorship and also a lack of uh, ruling confidence. After he took power, he launched a major anti-corruption campaign. And um, a lot of uh, corrupted officials were rounded up. Many were committing suicide. Almost every week, there is an official committed suicide. I mean, we don't know whether they did by themselves or somebody yeah. else uh, commit suicide for them. But it's nothing but a political purge because none of these Communist Party officials is clean. So it's a kind of a crushing down his political opponents. So to crack down and target Christians is a new law, basically, it's really a new phenomenon. I mean, of course, we as Christians know it's a spiritual warfare because he's operating in the darkness and he wants to use his communism, atheism to rule the Chinese society. Of course, you know, as Christians, we're told we are light and salt. And this two cannot really be reconciled in the fundamental sense. But you would think, you know, the Christians are the best citizens, right? They're paying taxes more actively. They pay respect to the authority. They even pray for those persecutors. But yet they were rounded up. They were put in jail. They were sentenced in long imprisonment. And now not only house churches, but even their own government-sanctioned churches are being persecuted in such a systematic and heavy way.
0: It's interesting to me that, that President Xi started out with the anti-corruption sort of press and, and said, OK, we're going to get rid of corruption. But the idea that corruption is breaking the law, but now he's going against the law himself, you know, cracking down on the lawyers saying, no, we actually we don't want the rule of law. It seems like those two faces of him are at odds with each other even. That's right.
1: It's it's just uh, it's hard to understand unless you have a spiritual dimension on that.
0: One of the lawyers that our listeners and our VOM readers will be familiar is is Brother Gao, and I know he's been on Prisoner Alert. We've had people write letters to him in the past. What is the latest information about Mr. Gao,
1: Brother Gao? He was. Uh, in prison and uh, being kidnapped pretty much for the past eight years. Uh, and after serving five years, uh, he was released last August, you know, and immediately put under house arrest. And uh, basically all his all his teeth were knocked down. Wow. And uh, he was uh, experiencing just uh, so much torture in his uh, prison time. I mean, over 500 days, uh, he was... Uh, put in a solitary confinement with the loudspeakers and high beam kind of light beaming at him. The loudspeaker 24 hours a day and seven days a week and broadcast this uh, Communist Party propaganda toward him. And it was a miracle that he survived. And he actually told me after we finally got to kind of use a secure means to communicate and uh, he kept saying, hallelujah, the Lord is so good and, uh, and merciful to me. He said, even in that prison cell, he was having divine encounter with the Lord. Wow. He started uh, writing, uh, finishing uh, the manuscript uh, with over 500,000 words. And we were able to smuggle it out from China. We just uh, released his first book in Chinese in Taiwan, already 3,000. Copies were sold, and now the American Bar Association decides to publish the oh, English version. Wonderful! And uh, so you're the the first uh, <laughs> radio and I make the announcement. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I just I'm so encouraged by that because we often talk to our listeners about praying for prisoners, and we wonder does it does it really make a difference? Does it really matter if we pray? And so I'm so encouraged to hear him talk about. In a solitary confinement cell, under torture and mental and physical anguish, God was there and God met with him there. That's a direct answer to our prayers. Remember, God was not having any Christian
1: access after he was imprisoned. No Bible, no kind of f- fellowship, no church service, no no meeting with any pastor. He's just totally isolated with the Lord. He said he was just uh, having more kind of experience and a supernatural way. I mean, basically, he said without the living God, he could not survive this ordeal. And uh, so after he was released, uh, basically, I told him, I said, we have the Underground Railroad. We can rescue you and he was laughing on the other side. He said, after communist collapse, the number one goal, number one thing we should prepare is to start up a church planting movement in every village wow. in China. So he asked me to set up a church planting fund. <laughs> <laughs> he said, that's the most battle needed. I mean, he's not even talking about political revolution or any post-communism kind of a political construction. The first thing he's preparing is a spiritual revival for the church to be built. Wow.
0: What a what an amazing blessing and, and what an encouragement to us who have prayed for him and prayed for China. Bob Fu, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your heart. Thank you for your ministry, long-time faithful ministry to the church in China.
1: Thank you, Brother Todd, and I always enjoy, and we're one family serving
0: the persecuted with Voice of Martyrs. Thank you, Bob Fu, for being our guest this week on VOM Radio. Bob is the leader and the founder of the China Aid Association. I hope you, our listeners, have been inspired to pray more fervently for our brothers and sisters in China this week. As we finish out this episode, I have two things that I want to share with you. One is purely personal, the other is an update in a case that we've been talking about at VOM for more than seven years. On a personal front, this weekend, my parents, Phil and Lucille Nettleton, are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. And I just wanna take a moment to say congratulations and thank you to them for the example that they've lived out in front of my two brothers and me and our wives and our children. My parents have served in ministry as pastors and as missionaries and as pastors to missionaries for almost all of that 50 years. And I am proud of them. So I wanted to take a moment and just say, happy anniversary, mom and dad. Finally, it's been announced that Asya Bibi's case will finally be heard by Pakistan's Supreme Court. Those of you who have followed the case will know that Asya Bibi is a wife and mother accused of blasphemy in Pakistan. She was arrested in June of 2009, and she's been in jail, separated from her husband and her daughters, for more than seven years. The initial lower court verdict against her was guilty. She was sentenced to death. She appealed that decision to the Lahore High Court, which upheld the conviction. Asya then appealed their decision to Pakistan's Supreme Court. Last year, the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case, but they didn't say when that would happen. Now it's been announced that that hearing will take place this October. There are two reasons I tell you this. First, it's a crucial time for us to pray for Asya Bibi. Pray for favor with the court justices and for justice in her case. Pray for her family. It has happened in the past in Pakistan that Christians are exonerated by the courts and then murdered in the streets. So these weeks as we head up to that hearing date are crucial for us to be in prayer for Asya and her family. Second, if you haven't already, add your signature to the petition at www.callformercy.com. Almost 700,000 people have signed this petition asking for Asya's release from prison. I've been a part of several VOM teams that have delivered those signatures to the Pakistani embassy in Washington, D.C. So please pray for Asya Bibi and her family. And if you haven't already, sign your name to that petition at call call Thanks for being with us this week. I hope you'll be back next week to hear from a gospel worker who is living and working in the Middle East. We're going to hear from him right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.